morning all. Welcome to Emmet Audio and the Alphabet of Good Things. One of my favorite things, possibly my absolute favorite thing in this world is to make my wife laugh. And not quite what you would think. What usually makes her laugh is not me saying something particularly funny. It's me pointing out some foible of herself. Don't get me wrong, I'd be happy if she was laughing at me being particularly funny. But I think when we think about laughter, or when we think about when we find something funny, whether it's in a movie or a cartoon or whatever, It is rarely that we are, the best laughter is rarely that we are laughing at someone else. It's when we recognize in a situation some deep truth, some weakness about ourselves that we've, <clears throat> that we've accepted, that we can laugh at, that we can then find the deepest laughter in that moment and and what a gift that is to other people so i'm keenly aware that it's not necessarily me being so amazing that's making her laugh it's her it's her having these foibles and being willing to recognize them and laugh at them that makes the magic. And I think all the other times when we laugh, <coughs> it is not about someone else being funny on their own. When we laugh at some hilarious thing that our kids do, there is always a tinge of of recognizing in ourselves where some behavior comes from. For instance, she just stripped the bed the other day and found somewhere deep down on our sheets, somebody had written, hi, exclamation point, exclamation point, in marker. Susanna, if you're listening to this, I think it was you. And we laughed so hard. Don't do it again, Susanna. But we laughed so hard because we, we have a long-running uh, discussion over where this propensity to write on stuff comes from. The act of laughing together is one of the best bonding things I've ever experienced. Whether it's with your partner or whether it's with a crew. It's, it is as good as going through hard things together. And in fact, the two are often paired together. <clears throat> and I know that the, the sort of gallows humor that comes from having a sense of humor when things are hard is one of the most prized traits in people. And one of the things I pride myself on the most 
and one of the most helpful things in any given moment. <clears throat> we have uh, a dear friend we haven't seen in a long time, but he used to live with us back when my wife and I uh, first got together. And he had the uncanny ability to make food come out my nose. And what it was, was he would say something that would get me laughing, and then he somehow had kept some little nugget up his sleeve that he would just slip in while I was laughing that would take it to the next level. And we still talk about that to this day. And in my case, talk about how painful it is to have peanut butter and jelly come out your nose. And laughter is also something that is much easier to achieve when the pump is primed. When you think somebody or a situation is going to be funny, you're much more likely to find them funny than when you don't think they are. So you watch a comedy ready to laugh. You go to a comedy show ready to laugh. You talk with your funny friend ready to laugh. And whether or not you laugh almost doesn't matter. The fact that you are ready to go there puts you in that state already. And the laughing is just the, the cream on top. Laughing is awfully damn close to crying as well. It's right up against the, the other. And that's a good thing. And sometimes we tip from one into the other. Either direction. <coughs> and I think it speaks to how... What is funny and what is sad and what gives you big emotions is all tied up together. And it's just about expressing those emotions. And if you can't let yourself cry because you've been trained that way to not be a crier, maybe you could let yourself laugh. And if you can't seem to laugh because nothing in life feels funny, maybe you could let yourself cry. And in that moment of unprotectedness, you could tip yourself over into the other state. I once was working on a sailing ship off the west coast, and uh, we were out at sea for a couple days. I was real seasick. And I, I was in charge of a watch, so I had to, I couldn't just sort of let myself devolve into a seasick mess. I was in charge of the ship. And I was so exhausted by that effort by the end of my watch that uh, that by that morning when I was off watch, I, I started to cry and my seasickness instantly went away. And I, and I realized that something about crying Uh, was such that I could not be seasick 
and cry at the same time. My body just couldn't do both. And so I very carefully kept myself in that heightened state of thinking of sad things and thinking of emotional things and, you know, blubbering gently in the corner on the deck. And someone came up and asked if I was okay. And I said, I'm fine. I just explained, you know, I'm crying because it keeps me from feeling seasick. And I wonder if I could have laughed instead. That clearly there is some state that we go into when we laugh or cry that supersedes even something like feeling seasick, feeling nauseous. And that speaks to the deep, deeply powerful sort of reset that is happening when you do that. Sort of like how, hey Willa, come on, you're gonna get stuck behind a fence if you stay up there. Willa, come on. Sort of like how Um, how if you're car sick and you then get in the driver's seat and drive, you often lose your car sickness. And it's because your, your mind is all of a sudden paying attention in a different and more controlled way to what's going on. And it's a reset. And I think that laughter and crying can do that for us. I've heard that just holding a pencil between your teeth, which forces your mouth muscles to um, contract in the way that they would if you were smiling, can change your mood, right? That, it's, that it is a two-way street. There is a physiological link to the f- feeling the psychological state that can be triggered back and forth from either direction. And in this case, the phrase fake it till you make it actually does apply. And I suspect laughing is the same way. If you deliberately seek out something that you will find funny, even if all you can do is chuckle just a little bit, it's going to change your mood. And often the most distressing stories that weren't funny in the moment are funny stories to tell. And it's not funny because you were laughing in the moment. It's funny almost precisely because you were not. Right? You tell a a mortifying story of something that happened to you or some moment where you were totally overwhelmed. In the retelling, in the laughing about it, A, we're all laughing because we've all been there, and B, in the laughing about it, is the catharsis is the way that we reframe what happened to us, where instead of hiding it in shame and 
feeling like this was some failing of ours that we have to not cop to. If instead we can lay it out for people in all its ridiculousness and laugh about it with people, we can ease our minds about what could otherwise have been a scarring event. And so laughter is deeply healing as well as being deeply bonding. And it's a way that we can let go of those things. I do think that there is an interesting link between comedians and depression. I think part of what... When somebody is depressed, it strikes me that they... A, are probably looking for... some way to make sense of these dark feelings that they have, and B, are seeing the world from a detached position where they can perhaps see these linkages better, more clearly. And C, they probably find it really helpful to make people laugh. That it, it is one way that they can feel good in a situation when they otherwise can't feel good. And so they hone that because it's what they've got. And it's working. And I think maybe one of the situations, uh, this is just me going out on a limb, always a dangerous thing to do. But I think one of the reasons why why being a comedian doesn't necessarily mean that it is that you are dealing in a healthy way with depression is that it is possible to be a comedian and be a comedian who engages in social commentary that is funny without actually uh, without actually it is possible to make other people laugh without actually laughing yourself. That's what I'm getting at, right? When my wife laughs at herself so deeply that it makes me laugh, I'm aware that it is different than me laughing that deeply. And so you have to be willing to go that deep appreciating somebody else going that deep and really letting go with the laughter is nice, but you have to be willing to go there yourself and to be that vulnerable, even if you're just by yourself. Because the vulnerability isn't necessarily about showing it to somebody else. Although if you're in a relationship, that can be helpful. The vulnerability is really about admitting things to yourself. When you laugh about your own foibles when you laugh about the dark things, about the ways that you've fallen down, that's that's an admission to yourself that those things are true. And like I said, laughter and crying are right up close to each other. And often, both can be healing. 
but if you're uncomfortable going to either place. Oh, Willie, you found a tennis ball. Good girl. If you're uncomfortable going to either place, then you don't get the healing quality of laughter, even if you make other people laugh for a living. And it strikes me that the more you can be, the more you become a funny person, you can get into a place where you're actually siloed off from laughing yourself. So, excuse me, I'm dealing with the last of this congestion, clearly. So, my goal in my own life is both to make my wife laugh as much as possible and also to let myself laugh plenty of times because I don't want that. I don't want to become a funny person who can't laugh themselves. Thanks for listening. Talk tomorrow.